to Teachers Talk Film. This is episode number eight. I'm Mitchell Maine here with my co-host, friend, partner in crime, Pete Ray, X-Ray. X-Ray, welcome to the episode. Tell us how things are going. Uh, things are going good. Uh, winding down, end of the year, getting there. Uh, watch, watch this movie that we're going to talk about. Very interested, ready to talk about it. Um, yeah, how how things going for you? Hold on, you can't shift on me too quickly. Um, we have to address the elephant in the room here. Um, TTF Nation, those just listening to the episode right now, um, X-Ray has done something, something quite drastic to his face. He has gone full baby face. He he's got a little peach fuzz, little stubbles. Um, but you might have seen in the videos that we post on Twitter at Teacher Film Talk, um, he had a grizzly of a beard. I mentioned it in a few episodes, but now he is just clean shaven. Um, tell us the thought process behind it, how you're feeling afterwards. Where are you at? The thought process was, like you said, I mean, it was it was a solid beard. It was long. Uh, you got to take care of that thing, man. Like. I had to wash it. I had to put some oil in it, making sure that it looked like somewhat the right shape or else I kind of looked maybe like a character in a movie that we're going to talk about today. Mm. Um, mm. As far, I mean, that was the reason. It's a lot to manage. I don't, I don't want to manage anything. As I told one of my students today, my showers were getting over five minutes. That's not <laughs> all right. Uh, so... Do I regret my decision a little bit? I mean, it's like losing a piece of yourself. But, you know, I'm about to say something very wise right here. Okay. It's, it's a new beginning for my beard. Mm. Um, and as another one of my students said, you should grow it back. I said, I'm literally doing that right now. I'm doing that 24-7. I'm growing the beard back. So if you miss it, TTF Nation, it, it will be back soon to, to comfort you. Um, yeah. And you know, one of the big things, one of the big things that I don't like about being a teacher, you change anything about yourself, you have to hear it for eight hours straight. That's all I heard today. Mr. Ray, you look like you're 12 years old. Mr. Ray, you shaved your beard by three o'clock in the afternoon. It's like, you know what? I've heard that a few, a few times today. I don't need to hear it anymore. I understand. And then you know what? There's going to be kids that weren't there today that are there tomorrow. I've got to do it all over again. So never change, never change, never let people's expectations change about you. Just do the exact same thing forever and always. They say that's what leads a man to insanity, though, um, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result or something. That's a little different, but you see what I'm saying. I think um, you're courageous in your shaving. Uh, I also think it's Thank the you. beginning of the, dare I say, the summer stash movement that TTF Nation will take on. Uh, and again, you've talked about this, that uh, you are afraid. You are afraid to start the stash now because you would have to go through what I went through today, which is just hearing it non-stop and with the stash it lasts for like a week because people can't handle it i've i've experienced this as well and for some reason you know you can't talk about what like a woman looks like which i understand different different uh 
yeah, ideals, you know. It's it's totally fine to just tell a man he looks creepy with a mustache. What's up with that? You think you're opening a can of worms right now that <laughs> we, we could get into. Um, but I think that's why we're doing the summer stash in exactly that summer when we can hide away. Because that's my plan. You mentioned it. I'm not shaving my beard. Like I trim it up two, three times a week. And you're right. It's a pain. Um, you just have to maintain it and you're always looking at it and you try to make sure it's even and all that this summer after graduation, I'm shaving it off. Actually not after graduation. Cause that's not the end of the year after the last day of school, after that work day, I'm shaving off the beard. I'm keeping the mustache. I imagine it will be on. Maybe I'll have it for one episode just to show it. <laughs> And then I'll probably shave it off. And then by the time school comes back around, I'll be looking um, bearded up again, ready to go. Here's the trick, I think, though. You come in first day of school, stash on, nothing else. You're setting the tone, man. You're setting the tone that, hey, I have a mustache, all right? And you can't say anything about it because you don't know me that well. I have a mustache. I'm a mustache guy. So it's normal. It's normal if you just come in with the mustache but then you have to be that guy for the whole year are you ready to take on that responsibility do you know what that entails yeah that that would require just a complete change of personality to be the mustache guy constantly you're right i've probably i mean i've had a mustache before max a month and then it's like you know what man it's really hitting me hard this hurts my heart i gotta get rid of it (laughs) you're gonna need to trade in your civic for a motorcycle uh your patagonia hoodie to a leather jacket and and yeah just reinvent yourself basically and you just you you have to start smoking cigarettes and yeah you basically have to uh act like you live in the 60s which hey nothing wrong with that I like it. Kind of living off the grid. Uh, Yeah, we'll circle back to that. Um, This past week, you and I both saw something. And I want to spend three hours talking about this movie alone. Um, But we talk about opening a can of worms. This is definitely opening a can of worms. Um, We saw we didn't see it together, but we both saw everything everywhere all at once. The new A24 film. Um, at this point, when this episode's released, it'll be out for a couple weeks. Um, it has just recently been um, released like nationwide to a point where it's pretty much everywhere. Um, give me your quick thoughts. I know that's a hard question with this movie, but your quick thoughts. What do you what do you want to say? Quick thoughts are I need to see this movie about five more times. And I'm I feel like I'm not somebody who really rewatches movies a lot. I know. Last episode, I talked about watching the Batman three times. That doesn't happen usually for me. I need to see it five more times just because there was so much going on. So many things that I feel like I could take away from it, but it all happened so fast that I like couldn't take it all away at once. So I really want to see this again. I love this movie. I feel like it's probably one of the best movies made in the 21st century mm. maybe it's i mean it's up there with like best movies i've ever seen mm. and, I, and i have no no hesitation in saying that so oh it's amazing your thoughts uh i'm echoing what you're saying i thought it was absolutely incredible um 
my wife asked me what the movie was actually about when I got home the night of watching it. And I couldn't really pinpoint one particular thing. I, I started by saying it's about everything, everywhere, all at once. Like, literally, it's the perfect title. Um, you have a little bit of, um, like, a redemption story. You have the family love story. You have crazy sci-fi kung fu comedy story. Like, it's, it's everything that you could possibly want in a movie and then some. Um, right you watch it and like there were moments where I was like laughing there were moments where I was like thinking to myself what in the world am I watching right now um and there were some moments where I was crying at the end man like yeah man I will say the first like the first half of the movie didn't impress me too much in terms of like just the storytelling ability I thought it, it was very much so like this zany, quirky kind of film. But then after we get to the the rocks, that's all I'm going to say. After the rocks, the rocks get man. real. And yeah, you I just love this movie. You're right. I need to see it 18 more times. Um, I'll probably buy the physical copy when it comes out. Um, I love it. It makes me hungry. I want to eat some hot dogs afterwards. Um, <laughs> But no, just a great, great movie all around. Great, great movie all around. Yeah, I. it's definitely one that I, like, again, don't rewatch a ton of movies. Don't buy a ton of movies, but it's one I feel like, yeah, I need to buy and maybe even need to go see in the theater again because it was, it, it's like you have a, you change after you watch that movie. You come out of the theater and it's just like, whoa, I just went through something. Um, cause yeah, it's like, you're philosophical, you're laughing, you're crying, you're just taking it all in all the, the same time. And I texted you when I saw it and I was like, I think everybody can take something away from that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, yeah. That's the perfect way to describe it. I will say this though. I was in a theater. It was myself, um, two other just random dudes. And then like these two college girls, there's one of the random dudes just walked out in the middle and did not come back. I wonder if he was mad or not. I don't know what happened, but yeah. It's like, how do you leave that movie? That movie, especially how you just go, "Eh, I don't think I'll finish it. You got to at least finish it. Even if you're not liking it. I bought myself a large cherry icy because they did not have blue raspberry. And I, I needed to, you know, go to the little boy's room about halfway through, but I, I held it in because I was just so awestruck by what I was seeing on screen. Yeah, um, yeah there's so much I want to get into, but maybe we can um, do a review for that movie at some point. I would love to do that. Yeah, we definitely have enough to talk about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All righty. Speaking of films, though, obviously... Uh, We talked about, or we're going to talk about, Into the Wild this week. Um, We watched it this past week. Um, A lot of this story is just rooted in um, survival and just your human nature and what you would do if you were presented in Strictly the Wild. And so my question to you, X-Ray, is, and this is a hard question, I don't even think I have an answer to this yet. 
outside of the necessities of water and granola bars and all that good stuff, what possessions would you absolutely have to bring with you into the wild? You're right. This is a hard question. And I thought about it and my answer is not good, but I, I don't know about you, but in my, in my older age, I cannot go outside without sunglasses on. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so if I am trying to survive in the wild, trying to hunt some animals, trying to pick some berries, uh, trying to, you know, set up the tent and all that, if I can't see, and I promise you, I would not get used to it. I would, I would not be able to see. It, it would not happen. So the Ray-Bans are coming along with me because if I don't have them, I, I will not survive. That is the, the, the lamest thing. And um, our ancestors are rolling in their graves right now. Uh, but I, I can't see outside without, without sunglasses. And I hope I'm, there's not something wrong with me, but I need the sunglasses. No, that's fair. I think you're, you're practical. You're practical there. You're, <laughs> you're understanding that, you know, maybe bringing 20 pounds of my favorite literature is not going to be the most practical. Um, I need sunglasses to protect me from those rays. I am the x-ray, but baby, I need to protect um, my eyeballs from the sun rays. So I respect the decision. It's very smart. Um, very mature of you to suggest that I would bring another practical thing. Um, and that is sunscreen, sunscreen. We, we are the two lamest guys in the world. <laughs> I'm just a, I'm a pale boy. Um, like an, I'm an Island pale boy. <laughs> oh no, no, no. <laughs> Skip the Island. Just a pale boy. Um, yeah, my wife gets mad at me because every time I go for a run, I don't wear sunscreen and I come back a little redder than usual. Um, I feel like I would have the wherewithal to understand that, hey, I should probably pack some sunscreen, um, regardless of where I'm heading. Sunscreen is essential. Um, let me ask you this so we can get away from sunglass to sunscreen. Cause I do agree as a, as a fellow pale person, myself, sunscreen, very important. This is not hot content right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could take one book with you, like you're going to have to read this book multiple, multiple times. What book would that be? That was my next question to you. X-ray. We're just, we're synergizing right now. So well, we are. <laughs> um, Oh goodness. Um, and you, you're, you can only pick one. None of this. Well, I would like to. No, one. One book. One. Okay. I feel like if I'm going to go into the wild, if I'm following the same path as Chris McCandless, I would probably bring the Bible, honestly, because um, you have a ton of stories in there. And it's like you're like he's seeking salvation in his own way. Right. Yes. And yes. so I would do the same, but I would bring a Bible with me um, to sort of reinforce that. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, I, I mean, I can't follow up the Bible, man. How do you expect me to follow <laughs> up the Bible? Um, but wow. To, a, to attempt to follow up um, the Holy Bible. I would probably go with I'm kind of back and forth on a few, but 
I, I think I actually mentioned it in our uh, our Akiru episode. One mm-hmm. of my favorite books of all time is East of Eden mm-hmm. by John Steinbeck. It's a long book, which would be nice because it'd take me a bit to get through it. And also, it um, I think I said again on that episode that it's just a book about life. Mm. And if you're out in the wilderness alone, you're probably out there because you're thinking about life and living mm. it and what you want to do. So that'd be my book. Um, it would definitely keep me occupied. I like it. I like it. You're sticking with what you know, and you're you're staying with that. And it's not going to let you down because it hasn't before. So why would it in the future? And it's nice to compare John Steinbeck with uh, multiple disciples and Jesus. <laughs> Basically the same thing. Basically yeah. Same thing. <laughs> um, we bring up books. We talk literature a little bit um, on this podcast, but Into the Wild was initially a novel, um, then turned to film. There's a lot of stories that take this novel to film adaptation or route. I can really only think of one where the movie is better than the book. Um, But what are some of your favorite novel to film adaptations of all time? All right, I got a, I got a few, and it's interesting to talk about is the movie better than the book because that's the age-old debate. Mm-hmm. The first one I thought of is, I mean, The Godfather. That doesn't count, bro. <laughs> that does. That's a no. book turned into a movie. Oh, that's whack. <laughs> and I have the book, and I watched the movie before I read the book, which I can't do because I can't read the book after just knowing what's coming. Right. But the Godfather book is maybe the most boring book I've ever read. I made I made it like 30 pages, 40, <laughs> 50 pages. And it was just like, nope, I'd rather just watch the movie way better. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Maybe that doesn't count. But no, yeah, you need another one. The, the other one I had is No Country for Old Men. OK. Uh, Cormac McCarthy. Cormac McCarthy. OK. Uh, and he's up right. there with like favorite authors for me. That book is awesome, and the movie, the movie is freaking amazing too. Like I think they're neck and neck as far as book movie, dang near perfect. Just it's awesome, both of them together. Um, yeah, like I, I don't know if I really have an argument as which one is better because the movie is so good, and I really love the book too. Um, yeah, I got some more, but why I want to hear what you got. Okay. Um, first of all, yeah, you were the one who got me hip to McCarthy with Blood Meridian. Back Blood Meridian. We if we were to ask movie. this this question the other way, like, please make Blood Meridian a movie, somebody. That is a great question. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. Pitch some pitch that to someone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorite novel to film adaptation ever. One flew over the cuckoo's nest, baby. Um Minus the baby. One flew over the cuckoo's nest ever. I've never seen the movie or read the book either, actually. Neither. Well, you're missing out on both. Definitely the movie. I love the movie. Um, The book is great, too. I initially read the book when I was a June senior in high school. Um, And then I watched the film like right afterwards because it's rated R and we couldn't watch it in public school, obviously. Um, But Jack Nicholas kills it. Um, he is arguably the reason why the movie is so good. 
Um, I remember getting a little bit hung up on the narration in the novel when I was a senior in high school. And the movie is a little bit easier to follow. Um, it's a little faster paced, um, quick moving. Um, really, really good movie. Um, I've been wanting to suggest it on the pod at some point. I know you hadn't watched it yet. Um, you told me you wanted to read the book first, but we know that that is a, a low chance of happening at this point with April here in May coming around the corner. Um, but One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, great movie, good book, but even better movie. Uh, and maybe I, I think I talked about you with this with you before is I always like, this is how I do things. And I think I might've even done this with Into the Wild. There's a movie out and I hear that the movie's really good. So I'm like, oh, I'll just read the book first. And then I read the book and I'm like, okay, I don't really want to watch the movie because I enjoyed the book so much that I want to keep the book separate from the movie. So then I just don't watch the movie. When really the reason that I read the book was the movie, I get quite turned around in there. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I definitely need to do one or the other and yeah i've heard it's a great movie and yeah i definitely need to see it perhaps an upcoming episode yeah i say um watch the movie um you mentioned like you have read books strictly for watching the movie um i think there is i guarantee you have your little list there of other titles i guarantee dune is on there Uh, oh yes yes definitely only read the book because there was a movie coming out yep i'm the same way and i'll tell you what read the book still have yet to seen it don't don't kill me but i have not seen dune yet unbelievable but we'll we'll allow it yeah maybe that will be a future episode i feel like we missed our window there talking about dune but then here we are talking about into the wild in 2007 (laughs) (laughs) maybe we saved the first dune for when the next dune comes out I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. A little put it in there. Somebody listening, remind us. Yeah. We won't remember. TTF Nation, we got a lot on our plate. We need you to organize our brains. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Were there other titles you wanted to read, or should I get into this synopsis? Um I'm kind of at a I want to read the Lord of the Rings books. I mean, I've seen the movies, but they were so long ago that I don't necessarily remember everything. So I feel like I could read them, but they're giant. And I just want to watch the movies again. So uh, yeah, that's probably not going to happen either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Dedicate half your life to doing that and you'll be good. But yeah, you have that time and energy. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Let's move on to the synopsis. Let's do it. This is Into the Wild. It was released in 2007, and the synopsis reads, After graduating from Emory University, top student and athlete Christopher McCandless abandons his possessions, gives his entire $24,000 savings account to charity, and hikes, hitchhikes to Alaska to live in the wilderness. Along the way, Christopher encounters a series of characters that shape his life. Um, and so before we get into this, um, we're very, we're rooted in literature this episode here. Um, I feel like we needed one of these. So I'm going to read a poem. Um, it's called The Peace of Wild Things by Wendell Berry. One of my Let's favorite poems um, and just encapsulates this story quite a bit. So this is um, The Peace of Wild Things by Wendell Berry. 
When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought or grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free. I butchered that wow. a little bit, but you get the gist, baby. Um, wow. The Piece of Wild Things by Wendell Berry. Um, great poem. Obviously, talking about wild things into the wild. Our protagonist, Christopher, is rather wild. Um, give, give me your quick initial impressions here. Initial impressions of the movie or nature or the story or what do you, what, what do you want? There's a lot of ways we could go here. Mm, story. I think we're going to touch on the nature and all that as we go through. Okay. Let's start with story. Um, story I love, and I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to read the book is just knowing like a little bit about the story that there's this guy that, yeah, just like literally goes into the wild. Um, I knew that he died and everything, so... Yeah, the story itself, I think, is really interesting. And um, I mean, it made a great novel itself. I know that it started out, the guy that wrote it, John Krakauer, I think that's Mm -hmm. how you say his name. Yeah, It started just as an article, like he just wrote an article and then it turned into a book and then turned into a movie. So I love the story itself of just everything that this guy went through. so yeah, love the story. What do you, what do you think story-wise? Uh I like it and I don't like it at the same time. And I think okay. part of the reason why I don't like it is the way that this guy is portrayed in the story, in the film particularly. Um I don't have any background with the book. Um so TTF Nation take that into consideration before you roast me. Um, if you especially if you really like this film, because I do think there is there are some qualities to like here. Um, I think the story is mm, it's not noble, but it's interesting enough to keep my attention. Um, we talked earlier just about like the novel to film adaptations. Personally, I feel like this is a story that should have remained in the spine of a book and not have transcended into film um i feel obviously um it lends itself to a beautiful film um and i'll talk about that later but the story is cool um i did not like the way this dude was portrayed though christopher mccandless uh i that's something i i kind of really largely want to get into Mm um is really just him as a person um and i agree with you completely i as a book it's great like you mentioned earlier about like things being faster paced and quick moving Mm -hmm. the book's pretty short like i got through it pretty quick i felt like the movie was long 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 and like all over the place 
and it just didn't work for a movie i felt i was like there's a point when i paused it and i was like okay we got to be kind of pretty close to the end here and there were still 40 minutes left and i was like oh my goodness man this is what no way that i've been sitting here for for this amount of time and still have this left so that's more about the movie um yeah well you seem like you want to say something about how long it was so then we can say that and we'll move on after that i guess i honestly just feel like you could have condensed the first hour and a half of this movie into (laughs) and that's where i paused it at an hour and a half yeah to like in like take that first hour and a half condense it to 45 minutes like yeah dare i say even like 35 40 minutes like i think the stuff like all the events that happen after um chris meets the old guy at the end i think his name's mr franz or something mr Uh, franz yeah mr franz yeah i feel like that should stay all of that stuff but the beginning like what are we doing here um we get this story basically it's just about this guy chris who um wants more out of life and so he hitchhikes all the way to alaska um to live in the wilderness um we so much of this film the first half we're just seeing him travel through different locations um we talked about b-roll in the last episode with the batman um a lot of just him doing a whole lot of nothing if i'm being honest and it's not hard to make this film look beautiful because you're just in the wilderness and there are so many amazing shots. Um, But yeah, I mean, how difficult is that when you're literally just placed in such a beautiful landscape, like put any camera there and it's going to look nice. So much of this film is just unnecessary. Um, He meets all of these people along the way, which I get why they add them. Um, but they don't really do a whole lot for me in terms of like making me want to watch the movie more. Like there's the whole scene where he's uh, uh, kayaking down the river and he meets the two people. Um, I can't remember. Yeah. The Swedish Swedish. people. Yeah. Yeah, The dude or the girl's just topless for whatever reason. And then uh, (laughs) the guy is there too. Like, and they just talk for like eight to 10 minutes, maybe like, do we really need that? No. Um, I feel like the characters, Rainy and Jen, were a little bit more uh, like in depth than some of the others. And like, I feel like they could stay. But like, what are we doing with the first hour and a half of this movie? Uh, I'm going to be, yeah, what? What do you want to say there? Uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I agree with you because so much of it is building background on who he is. Um, and again, in a book, you get way more in depth with like who he is. So you care a little bit more like those, those stories that we see in the first hour, hour and a half of this movie, you just get more details about like these people that he met and um, yeah, that he ran into and that had an effect on him but it just jumps around so much in the beginning that it's like, it's like these people don't really matter when really they do. Cause they are 
they are shaping who he is. I think you said that in the synopsis. Like that's a great mm-hmm. way to put it. But it, it's we spend so little time with each person and we jump around so much that we don't get like the true story of like, yeah, he actually went around and met these people and talked to them and built relationships with them, but we don't, we don't get to see the effects that they had. Yeah. I want to elaborate on that, but quick side question. Um, How do you feel about Vince Vaughn and the goatee there? (laughs) Dude, Vince Vaughn should quit acting right now. Get the goatee and go to South Dakota and just be a farmer. I mean, he looked ex- <laughs> he looked so much like he belonged right there, man. He did. He did. I was I was impressed. I was like, man, I didn't. I would have never guessed goatee Vince Vaughn. There's a connection. And I I saw his name in the opening credits, and I was like, Vince Vaughn's in this movie. What a weird <laughs> movie for Vince Vaughn to be in. And then he he killed it, man. And all he needed was the goatee and the cutoff shirt. Done. Farmer. Yeah, the Carhartt cutoff and the goatee, killing it, killing it. Um, You mentioned something that I wanted to talk about, though. Um, A lot of this first half is, like, definitely, like, exposition material setting up the character of Chris. And I don't want to speak illy on this guy because, obviously, this is a true story. And, like, his journey was rather courageous and brave and things like that. And I'm sure if I read the book, I would have a different interpretation. Um, But with this film, I didn't, I don't like him. I don't like him. Um, I understand he's wanting more out of life. Um, I understand he is like just looking for something different. He is not like equipped for the putting on the monkey suit and going to your nine to five, like, He definitely wants something different. And I commend him for that. But the way they characterized him in this film gives me little to no motivation to like him at all. There are so many just like trite philosophical phrases that he says that I'm just like face palming at. Um, One being when he first meets Rainy and Jen, he says something uh, like, I don't need money. Money makes people cautious. Uh, Like, and he says just like these things along the whole entire film. Another one um, is when he, I think he's like eating the squirrel and there's like narration of him going in the background. He's like, power is all an illusion. Like, and it's said in like this super like pseudo groundbreaking way, but I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. I feel Like, he's rather selfish as well. Um, A couple episodes back, we talked about Akiru and Kanji uh, Watanabe's main, like, persona in life and his purpose. And it was all about giving back to the people that need it. I feel like this guy, like, I, again, I commend him and I don't want to talk bad about him. I feel like the film has a lot of this characterization um, in terms of what I'm saying here. I feel like he is just a very careless, selfish person um, who is out for himself. Um, I watched this with my mom, too, even. And she was like, um, that is not fair for him to do this to the ones that he loves. Because clearly we as the viewers see um, all of his loved ones, like just in total like tragedy throughout the film. Um, But yeah, I, I don't think the film did Christopher the real Christopher, any justice in creating his image. Yeah, I agree. 
I, you said something at the beginning that you think if you read the book, you'd have a different feeling. Right. I would, I would disagree with that because you, you get a little bit more of him in depth. Like you see the same things you see in the movie, like everything you're saying about him, like kind of being selfish and like totally looking out for himself, which I mean, isn't the worst thing Mm. Um, just with what he wanted to do. For me, it's like the insane. We I think we talked about hubris in the mm-hmm. in another episode. The insane pride that he has. That's that's what gets to me, and you definitely see that throughout the book. That he he definitely thinks that he knows better than everybody. I mean, we get that scene in the movie where he just decides I'm going to go down the river without a permit, um, like just because I can, and I think that it's dumb that. I need a permit and all that stuff. The thing that gets me, I have no problems with him leaving his parents because I, I like his parents. Um, it, like it's come out that they were definitely not great people. And we saw that in the movie too. The one that gets me is just like leaving your younger sister behind. And mm-hmm. like, you don't, you don't write to her saying that you're good and fine and everything's okay. And sorry i can't live in the house because i don't like mom and dad but um like yeah just that's the most selfish thing for me that he just left and was like yeah i'm gonna go do this thing and have no cares for anybody else at all with that too it's it's frustrating because you mentioned that his parents were going through some things and obviously it shows like the abusive relationship between mother and father and, you know, his father sort of being this authoritarian um, figure in his life. But I mean, from the outside looking in, it doesn't look like his life was that bad. Um, Like Emory college, top student of his class, um, you know, I hate to throw this in too, but like there's a lot of privilege. I feel like with his character, like if this was a person of color going through this story, like would they, would people be as accepting? And I hate to bring that up, but I mean, it's something to think about this guy. Yeah. Yeah. This guy has so many things that people would are craving for in this world. And he's willing to give it up all um, for the sake of, just being his own person. He talks a lot about seeking the truth. Um, And in the end, he does sort of have redemption, which I do appreciate. I really do like that last scene. Um, But yeah, like I didn't feel any sympathy for this guy. Um, He, it felt very, I don't know how to say it. Like a, like a cliche, like it's all the system, man, like kind of thing, like the system's trying to take you down kind of thing. While it's like, dude, like you live in suburbia and you just went to a really great university. You have parents offering to buy you a car. Like things aren't bad for you, like in retrospect. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it definitely is tough from the outside looking in, but you do look at all those things that he had and, you know, you could graduate college and go live in another state and talk to your parents once a year. Like if you wanted to, right. Um, I don't know if you have to go that gung ho. And like, I think 
like we're talking about him being selfish. It's okay to be selfish. You kind of have to be selfish at some points. And right, right. I think we as humans, we are selfish, but there's there's a certain line to draw. And I guess that gets me to kind of my main question I have with just the story in general is what what do you do with a person like Chris? Or what do you as as Chris do when you're like, yeah, I hate the system. I hate living like this. Like what, what was he supposed to do if he hated like society that much? Cause I, I think that gives us some interesting discussion. Cause I don't think I know the answer, but I think it's interesting to talk about. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. And I feel like I'm just bashing this guy. I'm not <laughs> bashing the Christopher McCandless, the real guy. I don't know his story. I know right. it through the lens of the 2007 Hollywood film, just for the record. Um, <laughs> with that said, though, um, he obviously wanted more out of life. And I, again, commend him for that. Um, when you're looking for something more, what do you do? That's your question. I think what he did is potentially the answer. Um, I think it's just maybe not the way I would go about it. Um, but I think a lot of this is just him seeking his truth. Like I mentioned earlier, um, this whole adventure, I don't think he cares too much about like literally living in Alaska on the magic or in the magic bus. I think it's him just trying to escape all of the societal pressures and like the cultural things that have boxed him in, so to speak. And he is trying to seek the truth in a way that is suitable for him, um, which brings up a whole new dilemma or question, is truth subjective or not? Um, but with that, we're not going to get into that. I think another, like, just seeing the world is a noble thing, like seeing different cultures and understanding that you're just quite literally a dot on a Google map um, in retrospect to people living in Germany and, you know, literally all over the world. Um, by the way, I saw that we had some listeners from Germany. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Shout out whoever you are. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's a true answer to that. I think just seeking your truth in whatever the way is that best suits you. And for Chris, this was that. And so I commend him for sticking to that. Um, I'm kind of him hawing around your question because I feel like that's one that nobody can truly answer. Right. Right. And uh, this may be the teacher in me, but I think that those are the best questions. That, Absolutely. The gray yeah. area, the gray area <laughs> that just create discussion and yeah. people disagree. And uh, I actually, so anytime I read a book is I just done it for forever. I just like, I highlight quotes that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't highlight too many from the book, but this is one, and it's from a, a letter written by him. Uh, oh, from the actual Chris? From the actual dude. Okay. Yeah. So it says, the very basic core of a man's living spirit is his passion for adventure. The joy of life comes from our encounters with new experiences, and hence there is no greater joy than to have an endlessly changing horizon for each day to have a new and different sun. So I feel like that quote, I mean, that sums up him as a person pretty well. He like, I can't imagine this guy in college, like going to classes over or even make it even worse, just like public school. 
Mm-hmm. Like there's no way that he'd fit in or like handled that very well. Um, and I, I do feel like I remember reading about that, that he got in trouble a bunch in school, which makes sense. Um, because yeah, that, that was the whole reason that he lived his, his life was he wanted each day to change. And I, I think his story just becomes a, a cautionary tale of, yes, that's good. That's great. And like, I mean, I, I feel like you should be like that. You should be wanting to change things up again. We're going back to the Akiru episode because he just did the same thing over and over again. He wasn't truly living life. The cautionary tale comes in as like, you, you can easily, easily push that too far. Um, and it can take you to places that you don't want to go. I like that. And I'm glad you read that actual letter from him because I love that the joy of an adventure and like exactly. seeking like the ever changing horizon, I think is what you said, something to that degree. Like, I love yeah. that you read that just stand alone on its own. And it's hard to disagree with that philosophy. Um, I think with that said, though, there's also there are also things to consider, too. Um as human beings, we all possess um, things that are greater than self, like spirits and things like that, obviously, but then also like relationships with others. I think relationships steer or just guide human connection, obviously, and just the way we interact with each other. And without positive relationships, like this world would be a mess more so than it is. Um, and so with that, it's hard to wrap my head around the fact that he is willing to give it all away. Like in terms of his relationships, you mentioned the sister, how he leaves her behind, um, which she seems to be the only one that actually understands him. Um, his sister actually wrote a book like in response to into the wild. And I haven't read her side of the story but I think like what she said she understands him she definitely was the one who understood him and I think her book kind of addresses maybe some things that were maybe left out or glossed over or just not talked about as much in into the wild so I thought that in the movie when she's the one narrating like that was a great choice and I even think her book came out after the movie so I was surprised that Hmm they decided to have her narrate because it was perfect for like who she is in her role. Well, that tells me if it, her book came out after the movie, that tells me that the movie messed something up and she's trying to get it right. And I know I was reading that the movie itself, like they had to get rights from the parents. I'm pretty sure to like, to make the movie. So yeah, I'm, I'm guessing I mean, it's every movie that Hollywood ever makes. It's never the 100% true story. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, and regardless, however you want to spin it, it is a tragic story. Um, but it's also beautiful, like, towards the end, and I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, but, yeah, it. I don't know. It's so... Just his character. He's an interesting guy. Um, and I would like, I wish I knew more about the real Christopher because I, like I said, so much of my judgment, um, is just through the lens of this film. And I, I don't judge him for anything, 
Um, but this is like the only medium in which I truly know. So obviously I need more research um, on what his parents have said. I'm sure there are interviews out there and everything. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. There's another phrase that I really just kind of face palmed at that Chris says in the film. Um, it's towards the end or it's the final chapter of the film. And he says, um, careers are a 20th century invention. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I blame that all on the movie. Yeah, because, exactly. And maybe when I was reading, there were some points where like they do include his writing in the book, like his letters. Mm-hmm. I'm, there were definitely some points where I was like, okay, like he thinks he's a genius. He's one of those guys. Um, but there were other, like the quote I just read, like, like he does have some insight into like just life and not fitting into perfect boxes and how it, it doesn't work for everybody. And I, I also think that what he did, his goal, what he wanted to do is amazing. Like just to have that goal to say, I'm going to be able to do things completely on my own and like just sustain completely by myself. I flipped through the book again today and his sister said at one point that throughout their entire lives, he was able to be alone, but not be lonely, which mm. I is amazing like to be like that. Not many people can be like that. So yeah. I, and I also think about, you know, he had to have some just purely, purely amazing days in Alaska on your own. Like that's, that's awesome. That is true. And all of the moments lead up to the big revelation that he writes about at the end in regards to happiness, which we'll get back to. Um, Oh, I just had a train of thought, but I lost it. That's right. Um, What was I going to say? Gosh, don't you hate when that happens? It's the worst. That's my Monday brain right now. That's my Monday (laughs) teacher brain. Um, uh, Yeah. Okay. Okay. I wanted uh, the Kristen Stewart character, Tracy. Do you know, was she real? Was she just a Hollywood mix or what, what, what was that? Cause I felt like that was incredibly unnecessary too. Um, She, she is a real person and I agree totally unnecessary. It was, and I think it was to show he had, uh, again, we talk about that idea of being alone and Mm -hmm. I think, you talked about relationships too. That, that, that was just not his thing. Like, and they definitely tried to shoehorn that into the movie that he really didn't want to have a relationship with anybody. Um, and that was a weird way of showing it. Uh, so yeah, she's a real person and yeah, he met her and yeah, but again, not needed in the movie. We can skip over that Let's save that for just the book. Because at that point they have already said it like, two or three other times without directly saying it yeah hey this guy really just wants to be on his own in alaska oh here's another example of that with this Kristen stewart character who you're going to get exposed to for like 15 unnecessary minutes they're going to have an incredibly cheesy duet uh at the rv site playing guitar um yeah i don't know yeah and Here's, uh, I think, probably my favorite relationship in the movie, uh, besides the the ever-amazing Vince Vaughn, who could have carried this movie by himself in That's the goatee, um, is towards the end. And I wish 
why, why don't we spend more time here instead of in the other 10 random relationships that he has? I love it. I love it. Mr. Franz. Yes. Let's talk about it. We finally get to see that number one, there are like people in this world that, that Chris could like just be with and not like, it's nice that Mr. Franz does not judge him. I believe his name's Ron in the book. Yeah, um, that's right. No, I think they call him Ron in this movie. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He's just so, it starts when they first kind of meet and he drops him off. He says, Ron says to Chris, he's like, why don't you make something of this life? And then I feel like by the end of it, Ron realizes this old like vet, hey, he is making something of this life. It's just different than than what I'm doing. And he even comes out of his shell a little bit and starts to, yeah, just see the way that, that Chris views life. I wish we would have stayed there for longer in the movie because, man, it was great. And we still got the, like, even this relationship where they do kind of have this better father-son relationship, even that, he still wants to leave. He still has to leave and go to Alaska. It definitely would have felt cheap if towards the end Chris were to, you know, be adopted by Ron and then like he stays with him and then the story ends. That probably would have made me even more mad (laughs) because it's just like you literally wasted two hours of my life just to basically find a new home. Um, But yeah, you're right. The fact that they do create this rather intimate relationship with each other. Ron shares a lot about his family with Chris. He mentions how I think he was in the army, it said, um, and how his wife and his son, yeah, his son, how they both um, were killed by a drunk driver. And so we talk about relationships and things like that. Like, obviously, Ron is mourning still and longing for those relationships, while Chris is on the complete opposite end, just trying to avoid any relationship as much as possible. Um, We see him begin to not give in, but um, warm up to Ron. Um, But then, yeah, at the end, even despite all of that, he is um, wanting to stick true to himself, which um, is condemnable again, like, or admirable, I should say. Um, Commendable. Yeah. 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 Monday brain, dude. Um, Yeah. Condemn. Yeah, commendable. Um, but it would have felt cheap if he were to just be like giving in to Ron's wish and be with him. Um, I did appreciate how he still goes on his journey at the end. I do think it was crazy how he um, basically harassed and forced old Ron up that mountain. <laughs> like he's at the top and he forces Ron up there and Ron keeps telling him like, no, no, no. And um, but you could see the Salton Sea from the top of that mountain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but is it worth your life? I guess to Chris it is. Um, it was that he like trips on a rock and I was like, hold on a second. Is he going to die? Is he going <laughs> to fall backwards and die? Uh, but yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. It, it was, uh, that was a heavy scene where Ron's crying in his truck as he's dropping him off and Chris still leaves. Um, and then we get to the end. Tell me how you view the end. Um, 
Let's start with the with the with the berries and the plants. Uh, one of the questions I have is how long could you survive in the wild on your own? I I, I don't think it's very long. Five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Like, I don't, I would not make fun of him at all or like for like picking the wrong food and eating it. Cause I can tell you what, if, if I'm hungry, I'm eating and I don't care what it is. Uh, so it's agonizing to watch for sure. Cause you, you kind of know what's going to happen that he eats this just to watch him. Yeah. Sit there on the floor. I thought that they filmed it in a like kind of cool way. Like, he just looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, I mean, that was rough. And I, I do think they did a good job of showing how rough it was. I agree. You brought up the word agonizing. I think it's also agonizing, though, to see that he spends so much of this movie. Like, there are so many, like, cut scenes where he's, like, reading Tolstoy and Thoreau and things like that. Like, man... Could have you have just dabbled in that survival book a little bit more? Yeah. Um, you could have potentially saved your life. But and I obviously I know that he was doing his best under the circumstances. And like there are the scenes where he's like trying to like read the the linear vein patterns in the plants and stuff like that. And he messed up. Like we can't blame him for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll always wonder. Like what I do if- think it's it is some of that like hubris coming back to where like i'm just gonna go do this and i'll I'll figure it out i'll be just fine um like he he literally walks into alaska with no no winter boots like no boots that are gonna keep his feet and then the dude the dude gives him the boots at the beginning of the movie and he doesn't even say thanks he just takes the boots and he like gives him a head nod and he just walks off it's like dude and it's I don't know that, that is a question I have is did this guy just not like I, was he a little bit like I don't know they always say psychopaths can't feel empathy or can't feel sympathy like I do feel like there's a little bit of that going on to where he was so entranced in what he was doing that he just didn't really care about about anybody else and I guess that's back to the selfish thing but um I mean, we talk about fatal flaws. That was a literal fatal flaws. He, like, I don't know, just got too too zoned in on one thing. Yeah, I think Aristotle says danger lies in the extremes. Like, if you're super extreme about A or super extreme about B. Now you're qu- quoting philosophical stuff. You're going to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> call me... Um, Mr. McCandless. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I think that's what he like. He's so obsessive towards the Alaskan journey. Um, he forgets everything in his path. He does quite everything in his power to make sure that nothing gets in the way of that, um, which, again, is uh, commendable. Um, but still, like, I don't know, you got to treat some people with some respect, dignity, and love. I truly think love prevails. And I didn't see a lot of that from his character. Right. Right. You, you said earlier relationships and yeah, he just really doesn't, he doesn't have those with anybody, even, even the like probably closest one he has is with Ron Franz. And even that, it kind of seems like doesn't really mean that much to him at the end of the day. 
Yeah. Yeah. I did like the end. Um, it was kind of a letdown to see like, oh, this is the way you're going to go out by eating the wrong plant. Um, again, I don't fault him for that. What would I do in the wild? I would, first of all, I wouldn't do what he did. Um, but I wouldn't be able to survive with no, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so I don't fault him. I did like the end. We do get a sort of redemption story at the end. Um, and I talked so much about the concept of relationships in this talk. He mentions as he's like writing out something or it's like the narration of him um, as we see the overhead shots with him it cuddled in the little sleeping bag and the, the jacket, which th those looked really cool. The lighting was really cool in those scenes. Yeah. Um, he says happiness is only real when shared. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like that's what what they want us to take away from it. I don't know if those were his true words. Yeah, that would be um, interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah, I wish I knew that because um, that would definitely change how I how I looked at him. Um, and if it's not his true words, that makes me hate the movie. I agree, but elaborate. Um it would make me hate the movie because like it's not real. It's not who he is. And that's, I mean, that's what we're talking about with this movie is who this guy was. Um, and I feel like there, there is a lot to him. He's a complex guy. He's got some like really, again, commendable things that he does and goals that he has. And then he's got a lot of things wrong with it, which is probably every human being in existence. Um, but if you, if you take that and change what he said, then that's, you're changing who he is. And again, when you make a movie, real people become characters. Um, so yeah, that would really bother me. I really want to know this now. I feel like this movie already did that though, at this yeah, point. You know like, what? You're right. Yeah. Like surely I guarantee this film took some artistic freedoms and created some narrative details that were not truly Christopher, whether it was to make us like him more or potentially less. It, yeah. And that's why I say I'm never judging the Christopher McCainless man himself. It's the character in this film because there is a separation. This isn't a documentary. I feel like I would love this documentary if this was actually a documentary. Um, but this is presented as a fictional story. And so with that, we have to consider the, the alterations that the producers had in making it. Yeah. What, what did you think of that? And just like as a whole, like you said, you liked it. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts there? I thought it was good. I thought it definitely left me with something, something to think about for 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> I don't think the message is one that's like incredibly deep. I don't think it's presented in an incredibly deep way. Um, but I think it's a noble message nonetheless. And I think it's one that we all need to hear. We can only benefit from hearing it and living it. Um, 
again, I don't think it's groundbreaking in any way, um, but I do think the way they tied it up at the end was effective, be- despite the the drawn out narrative for the first half of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember part of the reason why I read this book is because, I mean, I, I love going out in nature and camping and things like that. And that was that was one reason why I wanted to read this. And yeah, I didn't feel like I totally got that. Like I got the parts where like, okay, this guy loved nature and loved being out in it. Um, but it's definitely more about him, which I, I liked very much in book form because yeah, I like getting to know people and like digging deeper into who they are, but yeah, movie form. Nah, should, like you said at the beginning, this is a story that should be kept in a book. Yeah. And I, I think if I were to just read the book, I would love it. And it would be one that I would remember. Um, I don't think this is a movie that I'm going to go back to again. I would love to watch a documentary about this guy and see like from the people who knew him best, who was this guy? What was he truly about? How does the film contrast who he actually was? So I can better educate myself on just my perception about him because yeah, it's, it's a fictional story to a degree here. It's obviously rooted in a true narrative, but you know, Hollywood's made some adaptions. Yeah. And I was, I was just looking up that book that I talked about that the, that his sister wrote the wild truth. Um, And just reading like the background behind it, it seems like, she she wrote it because she wanted to uh kind of just talk about more more about him and like the gaps that were left out that that she knew and was able to talk about in there so i might have to read that too just because i feel like that gives that would give us both sides it's called the wild truth yeah the wild truth yeah and it's it's written by his sister because we'll at the end of the day we're never going to hear from him sadly he i think it said like he said he wanted to write a book about society after taking time away in the in the wild it would that would have been interesting to see how his trajectory would have changed had he survived at the end of the day right now this is all speculation and if i'm being honest with myself I feel like this story is more, even though I haven't read the book or read The Wild Truth, I feel like out of the the properties that have told this story, those three things, this is definitely probably the farthest from the truth. Yeah, I would I would agree too. Just having, yeah, like I said, read the book, see the movie, movie's bottom of the totem pole for me um yeah yeah for sure yeah and so i'm not putting too much stock into the man himself without doing more research because i would like to know more it's it is an interesting story um but again have some qualms with the way he is presented in this movie yeah and i i guess maybe i don't have too much left to say except that what hit like his beliefs about like nature and things like that i think more people should be in tune with like if mm. you've 
if you've never just gone and been alone in, in nature, you should do it. Um, because it is like, I don't, it's a, it's a crazy experience just being completely by yourself and being away from every, and I mean alone, like just you, nobody else just by yourself, uh, do it because it's, it's awesome. It's therapeutic. Yeah, truly. It's like I'll in the summers sometimes, and even just like on weekends, I'll go out to the trails and I'll just, I won't bring any music when I run. Like sometimes I'll always, I'll always have music when I run, but sometimes I'll just not bring music and just go on these trails and just go out there and just listen to things and hear things. And, you know, it, it sounds cheesy. And so like, just like quote unquote Zen, but just finding peace within yourself. Like, I think that's one of the best ways to do it. Truly disconnect and just go into the wild for a little bit. It's so simple. Like it's literally, if if you literally, like you said, if you walk into the woods, if you walk into nature and sit there for 10 minutes, like there's nothing that you can do except like, think about your life. Like it just happens. It's just who, who you are. Um, so yeah, it's, it's weird to, like you said, it sounds Zen. It sounds, it, it really is that simple. Go hang out in nature a little bit and life. You, you'll start to think about things that you, that you've maybe put off that you haven't thought about. Yeah. I think it's partly because like, it's just the one place where like man hasn't, taken over or occupied destroyed yeah destroyed that's a yeah the blunt way of putting it um yeah and i'm not a transcendentalist and i don't write about transcendentalism or anything but i do think it is like the simplest way to just kind of reconnect and just be with yourself because it is the area of earth that is sort of untamed and unkempt and the way that it's genuinely naturally supposed to be. And so you always have to go back to that every once in a while to find that natural um, like person within yourself. Um, you mentioned transcendentalism. Mm-hmm. What a giant smart word. Uh, I, had to, I had to redeem myself for the uh, condemnable. <laughs> I would say I am a transcendentalist. When, when we were in college and we had to read all this stuff that I was not exactly excited to read about self-transcendentalism and like henry david thoreau and all those guys i love that stuff um and even think about it now i don't want to spend too much time on it because it's very nerd english stuff but even just thinking about it now that kind of is all about being selfish it's all about making yourself better um so yeah maybe he had some of that stuff running through his mind that is true. Yeah. And TTF Nation, if you're big into literature, um, check out Walking by Henry David Thoreau. It's a great little um, poetry essay excerpt um, where he talks a lot about this stuff. And then go accessible. Go read some, maybe one of the best names in English literature history, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Mm. Smart, smart guy, um, wrote some great stuff. So, yeah, if you want to feel smart today, Ralph Otto Emerson, uh, Henry David Thoreau, big fans of nature, big fans of self-improvement. We should just turn off the lights, buy some wood pipes and just find some <laughs> tobacco in some tobacco fields and just 
light up the pipes and start reading some Thoreau. <laughs> yeah, then uh, we the hubris might set in real quick. If yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I would like to uh, I'd like to follow that up by saying I am a dumb idiot. <laughs> Until the day I die, I'm, I'm just a big dummy. I know. I wasn't going to say it, bro. You're intelligent <laughs> beyond belief. All right. Uh, I'm ready to give a score. You got yeah, anything can... else left? Um, how about... No, give me your score. How about, how about Eddie Vedder on the soundtrack? Pearl Jam, baby. Oh, no. There's one <laughs> thing. If there's one thing... Sorry. I'm just totally undermining what you just said. Um, <laughs> if there's one thing I like about this movie is that it reminded me of one of the songs that I was absolutely obsessed with when I was in, like, sixth grade. Um, Going Up the Country by Canned Heat. Going up the country, man, if you want to go. Going up the country. I'm going to some place where I've never been before. Dude, I love that song. Oh, I love it. When I heard that, I wrote that down. I was like, yup, I had to go. I paused the movie, got into my Spotify, added it back because it was lost in translations years ago. And you know, the past few days I've been bumping. So that's the best part about this movie for me. I'll give you my score later. What were you going to say? Well, just, uh, I, I noticed when it started that not that song, but every other song is sung by Eddie Vedder and I, of Pearl Jam, um, and he made the soundtrack for this, and I, I thought that he fit the movie well, like just his voice, and that it's like he doesn't have a happy voice, um, and I, I thought it fit. So yeah, that was all. But you're right, he didn't have the best song in the in the movie. He did not. He did not. Man, can he going up the country? TTF Nation, get that on your Spotify playlist um, and listen to it. It's it's like it's different. All right, here's my score. And this is why I love talking about movies because I changed my score multiple times during this talk because I don't know. I, that's what talking to people does. That's what building relationships with people does is uh, you, you learn things from them. You, you make opinions about things as you discuss things with other people. Give us your thoughts though. Like as like initially coming in here and then how it changed throughout, like give us the whole spectrum. Well, I really wanted to like this movie. Like, again, I love nature. I love being in nature. I've read the book. I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to be like, man, this is going to be good. I'm going to like this. And then I just didn't. And so the initial score I gave was a 77. Mm. And I was even worried that I was like, maybe that's low. And maybe once we talk about it, I'll like it a little bit more. And the opposite happened. I, I was, I, you, you pointed out the same things that I was thinking and, I was like, okay, you're right. And then, like I said, I got a little bit angry with how they, how they portrayed him and some things like that. Like, I don't know, just not, I, I would not want anybody to watch this movie without at least knowing a little bit about him because yeah. you're, you're not getting the full story. So uh, I've settled on a 70. Um, that, that's where I'm at. <laughs> my what? score, my score. What is, what is the face you are making? Put that uh, long pause there. <laughs> yeah, long pause, weird face. Um, because my score is exactly a seventy-two. 
not a 72, a 70. Yeah. Um, it, I, I, I even thought coming into this, man, maybe Mitchell will just really like this movie and he'll give it like an 88. And man, I can just bomb it with a 77. And I thought we you were. Ourselves. I thought you were gonna like it because you said you are a transcendentalist. You said it yourself. So, uh, <laughs> I thought you were coming in ninety fives or above. Uh, no, I didn't. I, but I thought you were gonna be like low eighties. Um, but man, we we need to find a movie that we disagree on. This is a seventy for me. I initially did seventy, and then I sat with it for a little bit. There was one moment where it was a 73 and then it just went back to 70 and it's staying there. Um, It's staying at a 70. It has pretty solid reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, like in the 80s, um, critics and audience. I think the audience even gives it an 89, which is generous audience. Yeah, that's high. That's Uh, high. Yeah, but 70. It's not bad. It's a 70. It's it's passing. Teacher analogy. It's, it's a C. It's passing. It's um, a that's C all I want to say about it. I, I spoke. I said my piece. It's a 70. Yeah. Any final comments Repeat. on Into the Wild? All right. No final comments. I'm ready to put it to rest. All right. Um, we're putting it to rest. Um, oh, really quickly. Nah, well, I just liked the end picture that they gave of the actual guy. Oh, true, true. And I thought yeah. they shot that well. That was cool. Um, I also like that they had that in the movie. Like, they had that zoom in shot of him, and it was that picture, basically. That was cool. Yeah, I did like that. Still a 70. <laughs> yeah, not making it a 71. Yeah. <laughs> I'll also say one last thing. Any movie that has chapters in it automatically gets a point. I would <laughs> like agree. The fact that this movie had chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five. I, I love it. Any Tarantino movies do that all the time. Love it. I was literally going to say anytime that happens, I just immediately think Tarantino. So, yeah. And I love it. Okay. Yeah. I, all right. No more thoughts. Yeah. Go into closure. Um, film updates. You have options here, Mr. A. You can tell us about um, some things you've heard or seen this week that you um would like to share any funny stories about kids rushing to porta potties um or just film updates in general how things are going for film studies let's go film studies because as i mentioned on our previous episode um i i said i was doing the superhero unit and we started it today i did something kind of cool because I, i was like everyone's seen Mostly everyone seems has seen or at least knows a superhero movie. So I said, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna create our notes together. So I, I came in with nothing prepared at all. Like just like, hey, tell me what a superhero movie is. Tell me how it's shot. Tell me what it is, what's in it, what we would expect to see if an alien landed on Earth and you had to describe a superhero movie to them. And it was awesome. It was just awesome to see kids like they they think about these movies without even thinking about them. Like the things that they were saying were just spot on perfect. Like, man, this is what a superhero movie is. And then they wowed me again. I let them vote on which superhero movie they wanted to pick. 
we had stuff on there like Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse. We had Doctor Strange. We had Black Panther. We had The Incredibles. We had the Lego Batman movie. I cover a lot. <laughs> they picked our our king, our childhood king, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man 2002. So we will be watching Spider-Man 2002 today, tomorrow, probably into the next day as well. I mean, come on. That's awesome. You're doing something right. If they're choosing <laughs> Toby, you're doing something right. <laughs> they picked it. I was I was appalled. I was like, there's no way that this is going to get picked. Um, I also had Wonder Woman on the list, which got, got zero votes. So Good, 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 good. I love that. No, great job, X-Ray. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's going on in film. Okay, last thing, because this is, I think, really cool. I'm going to have them create their own superhero and then I'm going to create a bracket and have them duel it out. Who's the ultimate superhero that they create. I think it'll be awesome. So does the class vote then on who would win or what? Yes. And they have to get up and explain like, here's my superhero's powers. Here's their weaknesses. Here's their suit. They got to create all that. And yeah, then they vote. That's cool. Yeah, I kind of yeah. want to be a student in that, or at least observe <laughs> that bracket breakdown. Come on over, man. Anytime, <laughs> anytime. That's cool. That's cool. Um, uh, are you are you done with Vertigo? Have we are. Yeah, done? we finished that. We started our we started our blockbuster unit today. Nice. And so I really just scratched the surface um, with just where the term comes from. Do you know where the term blockbuster comes from? blockbuster is it that there are so many people lining the streets that it breaks the concrete beneath them good guess but no i was pretty proud of that i just came up with that (laughs) (laughs) um it's actually it was a term for a bomb that um i believe the allied invasion used in world war ii um in fascist italy they created bombs and they called them blockbusters because they would literally like break ground oh so so it's pretty close i mean pretty close to (laughs) fascist italy what i said i was i was right there yeah and then obviously we know that it transformed into um the brick and mortar blockbuster that we grew up with um some of my kids in one of my classes like had no idea what the blockbuster video company was Luckily for them, I had like a 10 minute quick little business insider recap of what Blockbuster was. And I was genuinely surprised there are not many moments where I feel old teaching. Um, But I felt a little old today when some kids were like, I had no idea what that is. Um, Yeah, if you if you ever feel old again, just shave your beard because then everybody comments (laughs) that you look young. So that might be the move. That might be the move. No, I'm not doing that until May 21st. Uh, But no, so we're going to talk about blockbusters, like the science of what makes a blockbuster a blockbuster, how they appeal to mass audiences across the globe. Um, I think I'm going to create a poll for which blockbuster movie we're going to watch. So many kids, not so many. There's like a group of band kids who want to watch La La Land as our blockbuster. And I'm like, yeah, but I might open it up to a Google forum and do a poll, maybe add some Indiana Jones, some mm-hmm. other things. Um, and then ultimately they're going to 
pitch their own blockbuster film to the class, giving like us that. basically everything besides writing the script and shooting it. Um, and then we're going to vote on which blockbuster we would buy into. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I might have to steal that from you for next year because that's a pretty cool unit right there. Yeah. Yeah. I'll share the stuff with you. That's what we do. Teachers were, we're sharing people. Yeah. I would yes. love to see your superhero stuff too. That, that is sick. As soon as I make it, I will. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm making it too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Sweet. All righty, dude. Well, we are, um, at the point where I believe it is your turn to pick the film for next week. What are we watching? TTF Nation, what can we expect? When I was student teaching, it's when I really first got into movies. And I got so into movies that I, and I was teaching a creative writing class. I said, you know what? We're done writing poetry. We're done writing short stories. Nobody cares about that stuff anyways. <laughs> Just kidding we're writing a movie script. And I, that was my first like delve into on the way to teaching film studies. And I had a kid in that class. I, I was teaching them like shot angles and I had examples. I swear this kid knew every single movie that all my examples came from. Like it was impressive. So I asked this kid one time, I said, what's your favorite movie? And he said that his favorite movie was once upon a time in America. Oh, which is coming to Netflix in the month of May. This movie is three hours and 49 minutes long. So it's a bit of a, bit of a journey, but it's always been on my list. Um, it's featuring the amazing Robert De Niro mm -hmm. uh, and directed by uh, Sergio Leone who made a bunch of Clint Eastwood Western movies. And I feel like there's some shots in there that always get put on like the hundred best shots of all time. It's like the Manhattan bridge or Brooklyn bridge, or I don't know. Cause I don't live in the city, but uh, <laughs> once upon a time in America on the flicks, I, uh, this has been on my list for like, that was five years ago. It's been on my list that long and I've never watched it because it's an it's a giant movie, but we have a podcast. We can do it. We have to. Yeah, we're we are obligated to watch three hours of this movie. And I'm sure I'm not going to regret it because I've heard great things. Um, when was it produced? Do you have the year for us? I want to say the 80s, but I'm not totally sure. For some reason, the year 1984 sticks out in my mind. And uh, shout out George Orwell. Spot on 1984. I have the memory of an elephant, the memory of an elephant, my friend. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. It comes out on May 1st, you said? Uh, yeah, I think it hits Netflix then. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. That'll be awesome. Oh, yeah. All righty. Once Upon a Time in America. I thought you were going to say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I was about to get hyped for that too. We that will that can be in a future episode as yeah. well yeah absolutely surely there's some parallels there maybe we can unpack it a little bit yeah um all righty well x-ray mr ray um anything for the people final thoughts before we peace out um i've got nothing for the people except 
Follow us on Twitter if you want to see this freshly shaven face, okay? Or if you listened to the last episode and you did not see us, Steve's machine in the Riddler glasses and me in the Batman mask. The and video Robert Pattinson guest featuring. Oh, yes. I almost forgot. He weirdly didn't make the video, um, uh, but we could hear him. So I don't know how that worked out, but check that out. It's on Twitter. We're on TikTok, too. Um, shoot us an email. Leave us a review. Again, I feel really bad that I'm the only one who's left a review on our podcast. But <laughs> you know what? Life goes on. So that, that those are my closing thoughts. We have some Spotify reviews. Um, oh, okay. I'm not on the Spotify. I'm an Apple Music, straight Apple Music. I think we have a few. Um, I am one of the few. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we covered all our bases. Yeah, yeah. It's like when those uh, waitresses or waiters put a dollar in the tip jar to start you know, like their own dollar. Right. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just for the look, the aesthetic there. I love it. All righty, TTF Nation, do your homework. Once upon a time in America, set some time aside for that this week. Be the best you can be. Stay up to date on things. And peace out. Peace out. Peace out.